I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 241. All right, jumping in. Hello, beautiful ladies. I'm back with another story. This took place at my ex-boyfriend's parents' house. Like I said in my first email, I'm from Galveston Island, and it has some very haunted history. I'm listening to Sinister Sightings episode 27. Tequila told her story about the little girl who haunted their cabin. It made me think of what happened to me and one of my friends in my ex's house. One night, my friend Hannah and I were smoking some devil's lettuce in his little sister's room. She moved in with her boyfriend, so we decided to make that our chill smoke room. Well, one night, we were sitting on the bed talking and laughing and smoking, when all of a sudden, we hear running from the front door, and it stopped right outside the bedroom door we were in. Hannah and I got quiet, and we were stuck like deer in headlights. Then we heard the running go back to the front. I called my ex to see if his brother's daughter was here. He lived in the room downstairs, and he told me that she wasn't there. We never smoked in that room again. So this one day, his little sister, I'll call her A, came to the house and I told her what happened. And she told me that she sees a little girl in her room. And I was like, hell to the gnaw, we need to sage this house. So one day, Hannah came over with some sage. Hannah, A, and I saged the house and we left to go on a ride. I got a call from my ex and he was pissed. He thought the house was on fire. We got in a huge fight about it. The sage angering him should have been a huge red flag right there. The sage was trying to vanish the demons that live in my ex. Another story involving A is one day I was at work and she called me and said that she asked me what my mom looked like and I described her to A. She told me that she had a dream she was walking into the living room and you had to pass my ex and I's bedroom to get to the living room. She said she looked into our bedroom and she saw a woman in there. She asked her who she was and she said, I'm Stephanie's mom. Where's Stephanie? A told her I was working and she told A to tell me that she loves me. That shit blew my mind because I never talked to A about my mom. I ended up crying and having to leave work. It did make me happy though. I have more stories to tell. I just need time to write them in. I hope y'all enjoyed this one. Creep it real and don't get scared. Stephanie P. Well, thanks for the validation, mom, but you didn't have to scare me. Like that would have been like, Ooh, I don't know. Right? Also, but like, come when I'm there, mom. I want to see you. Yes. I mean, I'm sure you like mustered all this like strength and stuff. <laughs> Insert that part of ghost where they have to get strong. But like, come when I'm there, mom. Yeah. But like, thanks. <laughs> and also, I love that you said that the sage pissing your ex-boyfriend off should have been a sign. How he think the house is on fire? I mean, the smoke doesn't linger that long. It could. You're supposed to open windows. Oh. The true crime expert says to the paranormal expert, LOL, we're not experts. <laughs> I was going to say, who's an expert here? <laughs> Neither of us. <laughs> no. <laughs> but like for real, we're not. Mm-mm. Well, like I've heard that, yeah. But then I've also heard that you don't do the windows and like you keep like smoking. Well, you know, you keep smudging until the like room is clear. But I thought they had to have somewhere to go. Honestly, I don't know. Me neither. Y'all tell us. Yeah. We literally don't know shit. I know. I always feel bad when you're like, and what do y'all think? Well, I don't know. Yeah. As someone with no knowledge, really, uh, only opinions. (laughs) Right. Opinions we've got for days. Mm -hmm. All right. The next one. Hello to my favorite podcast at the moment. I love you girls. And I have been binging your podcast for a while now. I have some stories for you. Oh, by the way, I'm Sam. You may use my name, and I am from Scotland, UK. 
So imagine me and my best friend of the time, we're doing a photo shoot. We were finished and where we were living, you had to go through a pathway that was between graveyards. We weren't scared, but we were sensitive to ghost stuff and had plenty of experience together and by ourselves. But anyway, we were walking the same way we had a million of times before. And both of us at the same time got pushed back by an invisible force. We both looked at each other and literally ran away. The force of the invisible force felt so evil and so aggressive that we literally ran. And we had to walk home the long way. No way we were going back by that poltergeist way. We have no idea what it was, but it was evil. And we count our lucky stars it pushed us away. I'd hate to know what happened if it decided to take us in. I have many more stories I'll send your way sometime soon. Creep it real and don't get scared, Sam. Okay, see, this is where I have all my issues. Because I'm like, why wouldn't the ghost want me? Why would it push me away? Oh my God, that's for real an issue. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm cracking up at Sam's pure honesty that we're their favorite podcast of the moment. And that was their best friend of the moment. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I love the honesty. Donna's like, even a ghost is rejecting me. <laughs> also, I would be able to run really quick for a sprint. And then it'd be like, well, ghost, you got me, me away. Yeah. <laughs> And I couldn't hide from it because I'd be breathing so fucking heavy. Oh, uh uh-uh. No hiding. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. So let me start by saying I'm still early on in your show. I had to start at the beginning, of course. However, I absolutely love you guys. I've told everyone in my library system about you, and we constantly discuss the things you've covered on your podcast at our true crime events or in normal conversation. Anyway, my name is Brianna, and I'm about 30 minutes south of Hattiesburg. I'm the director of the Lamar County Library System. I'm only telling you this because the story has to do with one of the library branches, not to sound vain. But also, if sidebar y'all, if you're caught up on the main episodes, this is the library that I had to steal my own story from because we did a little uh, live event there. Yes. Recently, I was listening to episode six of Sinister Sightings, and you mentioned Billy and Brianna. My name is Brianna, obviously, and my biological father, who I've always referred to as my sperm donor, is Billy. Anyway, it seemed like a sign to send in a quick story. So, one of the library branches is located in Lumberton, Mississippi. We've always joked that it's haunted by a previous librarian. I mean, constant noises and things falling. Well, back in 2018, I painted a sign for Halloween that says, Dead Men Tell No Tales, because Halloween in a library, true nerd here. So, anywho, about six or so months ago, after sitting on the same shelf for five years, it comes flying off the shelf and hits one of the librarians in the throat. Like, it was literally trying to kill her, and dead men tell no tales. I've attached a video and a picture of the cheesy sun, which is made out of particle wood, by the way. Thanks for being such an awesome representation of the people in Mississippi. We are awesome around here, y'all. I hope you enjoy our story and keep being amazing. Creep it real and don't get scared. Love, Brie. Oh my God. That sign like attacked her. That's like a wooden freaking sign. Yes. Brie attached the video. And so we got to see it. 
wait, it's like security footage of that freaking happening. <laughs> yeah. That shit flew off the shelf and cut her yes. like straight to the jugular. She's like, God damn. <laughs> oh, my God. Bree, that's some fucking workers comp right there. How do you explain that? And you said the sign had been there for like five years. So yes. it's not like, oh, you know, it just got put there and something happened. No, like it's been there. And it's like a bookshelf attached to the wall. It's not like, oh, the bookshelf got bumped and it just, you know, kind of shifted a little bit. Damn bookshelf was attached to the wall. Oh, my God. That is wild. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies, I am a huge fan of the podcast. The mix of true crime and paranormal, it is just chef's kiss. I listen as often as I can, and I'm finally getting around to writing one of my spooky stories. This is titled The Rectory. My dad is an Episcopal priest, so growing up, we always lived in the rectory of the church. This particular one was an old farmhouse right next door to the church in a tiny town in upstate New York. And like, when I say old, it's 1830s. I was seven when we moved in, and I immediately started having vivid, terrifying nightmares. One I remember was that I was walking down the long hallway outside my bedroom and the floors and the walls separated with hands, hundreds of them, reaching out to grab me. My parents chalked these nightmares up to me just not being used to the quiet of the country after living in the city my entire life up until then. Years later, I found out my older and younger brothers had very similar dreams, but only when they had to sleep in my room. One Sunday, I went home as soon as the service ended, I was the first one out of the church to change out of my itchy dress. When I walked next door into our house, all the faucets and both showers were on and the house was filled with steam. I know what you're thinking. Another kid from the church probably did it to prank us. Except it happened multiple times to everyone in my family at least once and not just on Sunday. The worst one was the time that my older brother, his friend, my best friend I mentioned before, And I were in my creepy basement. Dirt floors, dirt walls, dark, musty, a nightmare fuel basement. My brother and his friend ran upstairs before us and shut the door. We couldn't get it to open. There wasn't a lock on it, so we figured that they were holding it shut. While we were yelling at them to open the door, the lights turned off. Now, they didn't do that. The switch was on the inside of the door with us, and the fuse box was as well. Then we saw my brother and his friend banging on the tiny cellar window to have us open it because they couldn't get the basement door to open either. So they weren't holding the door closed like we thought. We still couldn't get it to open and neither me nor my friend were tall enough to open the window. After what seemed like an eternity, the lights turned on and the door opened and I never went down there again. My parents were friends with the previous family who lived in our house And they had similar stories. Cabinets always opened up, some dishes rearranged, the steam. Their daughter had nightmares too. They also had four kids like we did in our family. We moved in 2004 and no one lived in the house again until 2020. Weirdly, the family that moved in has four kids too. And I've heard that one of their daughters is in the same room I was. I just hope she doesn't have nightmares too. Sorry, this is a long one. There's just so much to tell about that house. That's all I have for the haunted, and yes, blessed multiple times and still haunted, rectory. 
But I have some more stories from other parts of the town. And from my teen years, I can write into you. Creep it real, Cece. Well, yeah, we want all those hauntings. Mm-hmm. All the stories. I think it's interesting, too, that it's, like, at the house where the pastor lives. Because I just feel like not every denomination believes in hauntings like that, you know? Yeah. Like, that the house is blessed and all that. You know, if it was, like, a Catholic priest, I feel like it would be more that, yeah, they believed it. But if it's, I'm picturing, like, a some sort of Protestant you know, and they're just, I feel like they're just less likely to believe. Yeah. In hauntings like that. And oh my God about the basement though, because you know, it's that moment when you're like, these people are holding this door. Like they're so fucking mean. God, apparently I just, you know what? You don't talk like me, I'm sure. But. Oh, uh, she may. True. But, you know, you're angry and angry and angry. And then uh, they're trying to get in. On the window. Like, but the door is still yeah, being... They're like, no, 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 no. We can't get in either. Help. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, my heart would shot out of my ass. And by that, I mean I would shit myself. <laughs> but also, there ain't no way I'd be going up in that basement anyway. Okay, the next one. is September 14th, 2023, for those wanting to know. Hello, beautiful ladies. Dee Dee here with a tale of terror for some, but comforting for me. I love things spooky, thanks to my dad breaking all of my mom's rules and watching all of the horror from a very young age with me and my older sister. This may be a bit lengthy. Now, come with me on the Wayback Time Machine to the year of 1977. It is late night. My mother is pregnant with me and due within a month. My older sister of four years goes to her mother asking about her favorite uncle. We'll call him Uncle Frank. He's our father's older brother. Sis tells mom that Frank is outside. Mom goes to look out the window, and sure enough, he's out there. He's parked between my parents' house and our grandparents' house that are on the same property. She waves, but no response. Mom figures he's going to come in and doesn't second-guess him sitting in his car. That is until she hears him drive off without saying anything. That's unusual for him, as he's very close to my parents and especially fond of my sister. Because he did not come to visit my sister, she cries a bit and then goes to bed. This is the scene of foreboding in the horror movies. Panning away from the house, getting an aerial view, fade to black. That was the night my uncle was murdered. He jumped in front of someone's child and took a bullet. To this day, it's unsolved. Back to our time machine, fast forward to circa 1984. We're back in the same house, but my aunt and cousins now live there. My parents, sister, and I are visiting. It's late night. Us girls are in the girls' room doing what girls do. My parents and my aunts are partying as one does in the 80s, drinking and smoking cigarettes. This is a common occurrence for us being over, hanging out, and sleeping over. After most of us had fallen asleep, my mother needed to go to the restroom. She does her business, and she's walking back down the little hallway. She fell, hitting her knee on the foot of a chair, busting it open. My dad hears the commotion and goes to help, and she has a face of terror. She's scrambling on the floor, trying to go in the direction of the kitchen instead of the bedroom, blood steadily streaming from her knee. All she says to my dad is, I saw Frank. Again, we fade to black. Back to our time machine, fast forwarding to circa 1987. We're back in the same house. I must have been about 10 and it was summertime. I was hanging out with my cousins at their house. We had been playing outside in the yard and had gone inside to cool off. As we were sitting in the living room, it felt so cool. 
My aunt had thickened drapes that covered from the ceiling to the floor. This made the room much darker than the rest of the house as they were hardly ever opened. Honestly, I do not remember whose idea it was, but we decided we were going to draw a Ouija board and see if we could get anything. We used something clear as a planchette, probably an ashtray. None of us had any clue at that time about the rules of the board. So we just started asking a bunch of dumb questions. The last question we asked rings clear in my head. Are you here? There's no response on the board, but something crashes in the hallway. The four of us scurry over to the hallway, and I was transfixed momentarily. There was a man standing at the end of the hallway. My cousin screams and bolts out of the kitchen door. I turn to look at them running out, and when I turn my head back to the hallway, he's gone. This is when I bolt out the door. I didn't stay the night there much after that experience. Fast forward to me as a young adult. I recall my experience in conversation with my mom. She had been telling me about vivid dreams of her father that passed away when she was 12. That's when she revealed to me that she saw Uncle Frank in the hallway the night she fell. She explained she stumbled when he appeared and that's the reason she fell. She didn't tell his kids because she didn't want us to be afraid of the house. She said it had to be him coming to visit me specifically. See, I'm his namesake. She'd always told me that when she got pregnant with me, Uncle Frank would tell her she was having another girl despite the doctors telling her otherwise. I was born on April Fool's Day of all days, and instead of a boy, she got another girl. In my heart, I see it as me and Uncle Frank playing the biggest joke on my mom. And although I never got to meet him in life, I know he's by my side. Thank you for reading my story. I love you both so much. Keep on creeping on and don't get scared. It's just my Uncle Frank. Well, you were right. Like, it is creepy to some, but very endearing to you and your family. But also, I totally feel that on, we use something clear for the planchette, probably an ashtray. Yes. Because that would have been at my house when I was younger. That's what we would have had to use, too. My dad smoked, but he didn't ever smoke in the house. Now, he did at my parents' old house, but when they bought the house that my mom still lives in, they bought that when I was like one, I think, and he was never allowed to smoke in that house, but he smoked outside. Yeah. And he always had um, in his ashtray sand from my sandbox. Oh, Because I would go in later and steal the cigarettes out of the ashtray and try to re-smoke them. Yeah. You know, because adults never finish their cigarettes. But like <laughs> when you're younger, you smoke that thing to the very fucking end. And then your dad hid smoking too, right? Yes. Which is why... He couldn't say shit about <laughs> us smoking in his vehicle because it always smelled like smoke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, it was, I mean, he had no, he either really didn't care, which I think he did, but he literally had no nose for smoke. I, I hid that shit so much from him. <laughs> I mean, well, I would blame your mom a lot, though. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'd be like, well, you know, Donna's mom smokes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, smokers just don't smell smoke. No, they don't. Like, they, you know, like, they can smell it sometimes, but mm -hmm. I don't know why I say it like that, but not, like, non-smokers. Oh, and, no. And non-smokers cannot smell it as well as ex-smokers can. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I smell a cigarette. It's 14 miles away. <laughs> It's a camel ultralight. <laughs> no, it's not that serious. But for real, though, sometimes I'm like, do you smell that smoke? And Donna's like, no. And I'm like, I do. It smells glorious. <laughs> and then sometimes I fucking hate it. Like, it's, it's such a love-hate relationship with it. Huh. It's so hard because, like, in the casinos, you smoke. Like, you can smoke, 
uh, most of them here. And it's like, I love the casinos, but God, like I hate smelling like that when mm-hmm. I come out. And also it's just gets in your system. Yes. And, it literally you know, seeps in your pores. Yeah. And it's just like, oh gosh. All right, y'all. Last one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I wrote this story and I sent it in June 2022, but it never got on the show. I think I sent it into the website instead of your email. Maybe you transitioned at the time. I don't know. But since Carrie started freaking out a little bit about having enough stories, I decided to resend these stories with an added bonus of a recent non-sinister sighting. These episodes are my favorite and I hope this time my email doesn't get lost in the internet ether. I have three stories, so here we go. Trigger warning, the second one mentions suicide. First, the true crime. I live in Washington, yep, the state that seemingly breeds serial killers. My dad was a firefighter for 30 years for the Auburn Fire Department and saw his share of really bad stuff. If you don't know the geography of Washington, the Green River, yes, that Green River, runs through Auburn along the other shady cities. Obviously, his job and hearing the stories he brought home subconsciously probably fueled my pension for true crime obsession now. It could possibly be genetic, too, as I distinctly remember him reading a lot of Anne Rule and knowing a lot about Ted Bundy. Anyway, one day I was curious, and since I knew he was in fact working during the time that Gary Ridgway was at large, I asked him if he ever had to go on call related to the Green River murders. He, in fact, did. He said that him and his crew had to pull one of the bodies that Gary dumped in the river. He wasn't the one who went to the river, but on shore, and he was part of the rope team to keep his fellow firefighters safe. He remembers pulling that woman out and how his coworker came out of the river and promptly threw up. And if you know firefighter, EMT, paramedics, it takes a lot for them to be really disturbed or have something smell so bad they get sick. All their crew did was retrieve the body from the river and passed it off to the police to, in fact, place among the rest of the evidence for the Green River murders. Growing up next to that river and seeing it almost daily, even swimming and tubing in it some summers, it was an odd, eerie feeling. There are a lot of weird spots like that in Washington because of how prevalent serial killers have been here. You can just be going to the store or drive to the city and pass by where these people lost their lives in such horrific ways. My dad has a lot of stories as Auburn is, well, not the safest city in my state, but it's hard to remember them all. I can always pry more from him if you want, though. Okay, on to the supernatural and happier story, even though it does start out very sad. In November 2014, I unfortunately lost my brother to suicide. Him and I were very close, being the sensitive ones in our not-so-sensitive family. I struggled with mental health my whole life, including a really bad bout of postpartum depression that I actually had to go into the hospital for six months prior to his death. I will never forget that he stopped by my house unannounced on a Saturday morning. I wasn't dressed, my house was a mess because, well, kids, and he often stopped by unannounced, which I hated, but after losing him, I wished for so, so badly. He sat with me and my kids having lunch, just playing with my kids who were three and one at the time, and asked me how all my stuff was doing, by which he meant my mental health, 
since being out of the hospital for six months now. He left probably an hour later, and Monday we were woken up to the call I'll never forget. Since his passing was on November 10th, and so Thanksgiving would of course have been the first holiday without him, I was dreading it so much. It felt surreal to be celebrating something or getting together with family with someone missing, and also having that dinner in the house where he died. It was just hard. I am the oldest and the only girl of four younger brothers, so holidays were always loud, busy, and full of people. I really didn't want to go, but I knew I wasn't the only one feeling this way, so I packed my kids in the car and started to my mom's. At the time, my house was about 25 minutes from my mom's, and it was pouring rain. Washington strikes again. I felt just as bad as the weather was presenting. As I was on the freeway, I looked up and I saw a rainbow. A beautiful, full rainbow. And it made me smile. I drove on for a few more miles and there was another one. And then another. And then another. I saw seven separate rainbows in this 25-minute drive, the final one being right over my mother's driveway. I was screaming, bawling, crying in the car. My kids must have thought I was nuts because I was practically yelling, excited, with tears streaming down my face saying, Look, another rainbow! Over and over. Pretty soon they joined in and were screaming, Mama, rainbow, rainbow! I will never forget how that made me feel and I know it was my brother saying, It will be okay and I'm still right there with you. I've had a few more rainbows sent my way over the years, including one on my first birthday without him. My birthday is the end of July, and even in Washington, it doesn't rain much in July and August, but it rained for literally five minutes just to give me that wonderful present of a rainbow from my brother. I also had to go to Mexico for treatment for Lyme disease for the first time in February 2019, and my first day of treatment going back from the clinic there was a rainbow, leading me right back to my hotel. In the same hotel, there was a small balcony, which two hummingbirds stopped by frequently to check on me, which I knew were my grandparents. Okay, last one, and it has to do with those same grandparents. My grandma, my dad's mom, was my everything. I was her only granddaughter and thus spoiled rotten as a kid. But also more than that, I was just loved by her when I wasn't loved by my mother very much. My grandma is more my mother than my mom, if you know what I mean. Her passing in September 2018 was devastating and unexpected. Almost the same situation that happened with my brother happened with her. She and my grandpa retired to an island in the Puget Sound when I was a baby. And so I grew up coming here almost monthly to visit. It was a huge part of my childhood. And after everything that happened with my family and the loss of my two brothers within four months of each other... My husband and I wanted to move somewhere more peaceful and slow to heal. We had just finished building our house here on the island, and I was so happy to be close to her now as she was getting older. She lived alone after my grandpa had passed in 2007, and I wanted to take care of her as she aged, like she took care of me when I was little. She hadn't been able to drive down to my dad or my previous house for a few years, and I was really looking forward to giving her holidays with my family again. A couple of days before she passed, she stopped by my house. We had a short visit and she said that she had her doctor's appointment the next day, but was feeling a lot better than she had in a while. However, after the doctor's appointment, she got into her car and she had a stroke. 
The nurses noticed that she was just sitting in the parking lot and got her medevac to the mainland to the big hospital in Seattle. She passed away a week later. I miss her more than I could ever express and still talk to her every day in my mind. After her passing, my aunt got most of her good jewelry, but I was given a set of probably half-carat diamond earrings with a matching necklace. I put the earrings on, and I haven't taken them off except to clean since. A few weeks ago, I had been deep cleaning my house and looked into the mirror and noticed one was missing. I was heartbroken because I had been deep cleaning my house for over a week. I had no idea when it had fallen out. If I lost it in the shower or if it was sucked into the vacuum and thrown away, no idea and I was so, so sad. I told her how sorry I was and I asked for help to find it. As soon as I had noticed that one missing, I promptly put the other earring in my jewelry box so it would be safe. Weeks went by and I continued to look all over my house, but nothing. I began to resign myself that it was gone and how sad I was. I wanted to someday use those diamonds to give my girls in rings or something. Unrelated, one day I went to my jewelry box to look for a different regular earring to change out. I was digging around in my non-organized box, saw the diamond earring with the backing I put in there a few weeks ago, got sad all over again and placed it with my other nicer jewelry instead of just wherever it was in there. And I continued digging for the other not diamond earrings I was looking for. And then I saw something, a single stud with no backing on it. I picked it up and holy crap, I screamed. It was my missing diamond earring. There is no explanation of how it ended up in there. I don't change my jewelry out often and I don't go in my jewelry boxes very much. I know my grandma found it and placed it in there because that's where it goes. I thanked her over and over and I love that I know she is right here with me. She comes in the form of hummingbirds and checks up on me from time to time on her island. While I never got to take care of her and repay her for all the love and care she gave me, I get to heal and live on this beautiful island that was her home too. I don't apologize for this being long because I hate that and because Carrie was freaking out about stories, so I'm feeling time for you. Remember to chase those rainbows, have faith that the people you lost are always looking out for you, and creep it real. Love, Ula. I'm so glad you resent this in. I hate that we sometimes miss them. Like, how does that even happen? I don't know because technology is so fucking fickle. Because even when you send them on the website, they come to our email. Yeah. So I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know, but I know. But sometimes, like, if multiple people send in stuff from the website on that same day, it'll get, like, stacked on top of each other in one email thread. Yeah. So that might have been, but I try so hard to like separate those and, you know, make sure to do it. So I'm so sorry we missed your email, but I'm really glad that it's now. And maybe that was a sign, you know, like maybe when you're hearing this, you need to hear it. Absolutely. So I really hope this is your rainbow. So I used to love watching hummingbirds with my mom and my dad, but This is why I don't have kids. I mean, I have Marley, but she's very self-sufficient. But me putting out hummingbird feed and like the water and all of that, it's good until I forget and then I just don't do it anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Same with bird seed. Like I was doing all that and then it was like, well, you know, and that just happened. 
But I used to love doing that. And so hummingbirds is a sign for my mom and dragonflies. And uh, when we were in Honduras, there was a hummingbird. And it was like when I was just really emotional and stuff. And Tiffany was like, look, that's your mom. Don't cry. Because I was already emotional, you know. And she was like, see, that's your mom. Like, you know, telling you that it's okay. And then she was like, don't cry. See, I would have thought that was your dad, Mark. I mean, he's from Honduras. No, I know. But maybe Hummingbird should be my dad. But I think I'm a, just a terrible person and I don't have anything for him. That's okay. That wasn't really y'all's relationship either, though. Yeah. But I have, you know, love bugs for my sister, hummingbirds, and dragonflies for my mom. And then, of course, like cardinals. When you see cardinals, like, that's always a thing for just, like, in general, you know? That's all my dead relatives just combined. Like, oh, well, they're coming. For you or just to visit? Because how you said it was they're coming for you. <laughs> oh, they're coming. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, my dad would not have come to comfort me, okay? <laughs> True. Your dad would be like, oh, Donna, stop that crying. Uh, Well, we were there and my sister was like, damn, we're in Honduras and, you know, daddy's not alive for us to tell him. And I was like, he would have been like, so? I don't care. So true. (laughs) And I was like, because he was so like that. And it's just like, it's just a thing. Like, we're in Honduras where you were born. Like, I mean, obviously not the island that he was born in. But like, you know what I mean? We're in Honduras. Mm -hmm. And he'd be like, whatever. It's just like, oh, make it be special. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, damn it. (laughs) Well, we love y'all. Thank y'all so much for sending in these stories. They are always so like heartfelt and you share all of these like precious and heartbreaking and heartfelt moments with us when you have people in your life that have passed. And we really appreciate your openness to share with us and all the people listening. Like you heard us say earlier, if you want your story read on the episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.